Hi, my name is Vincent Metcalf. I'm the Chief Executive Officer of Nomad Royalty Company, listed on the TSX and the NYSC. Um, we are a, would say, relatively new royalty and streaming company that operates in the mid-cap space. We have 22 assets under management, with eight of them already in production. Um, and we've been quite um, acquisitive over the last 18 months. Hey, Vincent, good to see you. I haven't seen you since January 2021. Glad to see you well. Uh, long time. But I want to catch up on wh where things are. It's been a kind of interesting space uh, in, in, the, in the royalty arena for the last year. Some new entrants, some M&A activity. Looking at you guys. Mixed year. Done some deals. Share price come off a lot. Um, what, what, what's, what's your take on last year? Well, I mean, we're, we're, we're building a, a business, right? And we're, we want to build a sound business. And, and our main focus last year was coming in and really executing on the plan that we had discussed, I believe, last, last, last January. Um, and the main things we were focused on is was really bringing new streams on board, which we, uh, we accomplished that. We um, executed on two new streams, uh, one in October with uh, the Greenstone Project in Ontario, Canada, and the second one in December, which is on the Platte Reef Mine in uh, South Africa, which two of those assets are definitely, definitely top tier type uh, streaming royalties um, in our sector. And on top of it, we also added a producing royalty on Caceronis, which is a Chilean uh, copper producer. Um, so it was a very, very busy year for us and um, pretty happy with how, what we accomplished. But you, you haven't got recognition for it yet. Okay. And I just raised 42 and a half million bucks. Okay. So um, I, again, I don't know what, the what you felt the reaction to that was, because that seems like a big big achievement, new institutions in there. Yamana didn't follow their money, but you got some new names on the register. I mean, that was, that was a significant moment. Yeah, well, I mean, like we did, if, if your investors go back to the investor last, uh, the, 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 the interview last year, what we said is, let us come out with the transactions, and then the investors could judge on whether or not they're good deals or bad deals. Because that's one thing that our... I would say our, our industry doesn't do well is they raise all the money and they spend it. And what we wanted to do is kind of reverse that is come out with our deals, use our credit facility. Cause that's one thing that we did also last year, we increased our credit facility from 75 million to 150. So they gave us more capacity to do deals. Um, so it took us a while to get those deals out because they're really good deals. And when you deal with counterparties like Ivano and, and, and Greenstone gold mines, these deals take a lot more time um, to accomplish and to, 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 to structure than uh, I would say uh, buying a third party royalty. So from that point of view, what was our aim last year was really to come out with good deals, show those deals to the market, and then have the market react on the back of it. Obviously, we didn't plan on having a, a tough equity uh, market to deal with, um, but it is what it is. And we've, we, 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 we've done what we said we would do, and we're pretty happy. Pretty happy with that, right? Because I think the, the conversation we had at the beginning of last year was it was a tricky one. Because you know we, we were talking about um, obviously COVID. Um, we we're talking about you, you were trying to um, de-risk um, the situation. You were, you were making money, um, but you're doing smaller deals. It was tax loss season. Um, you had the Yamana issue in terms of how, how you dealt with that uh, with, the, with the portfolio there. Um, it, it was it was a difficult start to the year. You yeah. covered quite quickly, but then, like I say, it, it, the market just hasn't paid you guys attention. Now, royalties are meant to be, you know, risk-free. They're meant they're, they're, they're no mining no mining cost exposure in the same way that mine, miners do. So, are you surprised the way that 
share prices come off a lot of the royalty and streaming companies? Do, do people, are people looking at yeah. you guys the right way? Are they measuring you the right way? Well, look, I think you, as, as you pointed out, the, I would say the, the market in general came off, uh, especially in the royalty and streaming uh, space. And I think that's a reflection also of just the mining sector in general. Um, and that again is, is, is why we're building the business in the way we're building the business. And what I mean by that is our focus is the institutional investors, because they're really the ones that are going to lift all valuations when the market does turn. But importantly also is the way we're building our business. And we're not building a business to add royalties, just to add royalties. What we want to build is a cash flow machine and the transactions that we've done and accomplished so far. Are exactly that, and they're going to enable Nomad to go from point A to, you know, the the end of the road, but through cash flow. And when you look at the junior side of the things of the market, cash flow is not is not their focus. When you look at the seniors, that's why they have the interest of the generalist crowd because it's an easy business to to explain. It's an easy business to understand for the investor. The mining investors are already fully invested in the mining stocks. So they're not gonna come out with new money and have companies re-rate, whether it's on the royalty front or on, on the expiration front, from 0.5 times NEV to two times NEV. The investors that are gonna you know, take those valuations up are gonna be the generalist investors. And when they come around, they need an easy business to understand. And that comes through cash flow. Right. So, but I, it, it feels, feels to me that people don't understand it. It should be easy to understand. I agree with you. But people don't understand how to value you, you guys because there's lots of different models out there in the marketplace. We've seen a couple of new entrants this year. We've seen M&A activity and they, 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 they behave in slightly different ways. You know, some overly um, promotional just to kind of get, get the ball rolling. Um, others more focused and honed in on, on creating, you know, capturing near term revenue opportunities. So, just for the sake of uh, you know clarity, can we just explain yep. what you have done last year to kind of set you up for success this year? Because you, you certainly didn't capture in that value. Because you know you said to me, we just got to keep executing. It won't take much longer. I'm not overly concerned. We're taking all the right steps, right? So and and um, we are going to create that or add value in 2021. That didn't happen. It, it, it seems certainly not if I'm looking at your like your share price and the and the charts. But you're, you're saying what to me? You, you, you yeah. were able to do that? Oh, absolutely. And, and the way we did it was using our credit facility. So what we, what we ended up doing, so if we, if we take a step back and we looked at what we started with, we started with nine assets, four of them were in cash flow. And the quality of the asset, of the asset base was good. It wasn't great, but it gave us cash flow. And with that cash flow, we were able to go out in the market and actually transact on new deals. And you know, in the first year, we started with around $30 million of revenue, around $27.5 million of cash operating margins. Fast forward last year, about a similar amount. But the major difference is when you look at our portfolio today with the transactions that we've done, that initial portfolio of nine assets from an NAV point of view only represents 40% of our current portfolio in terms of NAV. So in the last 12 months, we've added 60% of new assets to our portfolio. And that came through Platte Reef, Greenstone, Casaronis, and also Robertson, which is advancing um, to, to production. And Barrick is probably likely coming out with some news this week on that asset. So those are now four you know, tier one assets. 
And what I mean by tier one assets, because tier one is could be a lot of different things. So the way we look at tier one is what's the operator? Who's the operator? Do they have the financial capacity, you know, to advance these projects? And what we see in our assets now is with Plat Reef, you have Ivanon. With Greenstone, you have Equinox. With Casserones, you have JX Nippon, which is a large Japanese um, integrated, you know, producer and, and vertically integrated, which, you know, they, they end up doing a lot of different products. And then you have Robertson, which is operated by Barrett. So the four new assets are operated by top tier operators. Next step, those assets have, when you look at the, the, the combined average of, of those assets, they have a mine life of, of around you know, 19 plus years. When we started with the portfolio, our average mine life was around seven to eight years. Fast forward to today, combined, when you look at the portfolio, looking between 18 and 19 years of average money. Those assets don't come around, they don't. So for us to have been able to transact on Plat Reef and on Greenstone, those types of assets have truly transformed Nomad. Nomad is a completely different business from where it was 12 months ago. And when you look at the growth, these are real assets. Greenstone and Plat Reef are both already in construction. So when I was talking about, you know, getting the, um, the, the easy business and, and getting those investors to understand my business, um, it's making sure that they understand, you know, where's, where's that cash flow coming from? What's the timeline? So for us, it's 18 to 24 months. We're basically doubling, tripling our, our, our cash flow. So that's, that's an easy business to understand. You don't have to rely on five, 10 years optionality type plays that may or may not come to production. Right. Okay. So that, that's interesting. So, um, and thanks, thanks for that. I think that does, does make things clearer. So the original nine assets generate 30 million for year one, year two revenue. Mm-hmm. You've added four. So, so is it four in total? How many have you, how many have you actually? I know it's four major. So we've added, uh, we're now at 22 total. So I would 20, say that's, right. we've done a lot of different transactions, but the four main transactions, uh, are the yep. two streams, Casaronis and the acquisition of Coral Gold, which was the Robertson royalty. Right. Okay. So um, in, in terms of the rest of the portfolio, so you, we, you double those four. It's great. I was going to ask you. You saved me a lot of time. Yep. Thank you. Um, with the rest of the portfolio, you know, so you, you know, how many of, of those are being materially advanced? I.e., you know, can you, can any of them claim to be in production in the next t- or generating revenue for you in the next couple of years? Yeah. So so of the new four, so the four to eight. Um, you know, Woodlawn was the one that we were hoping would be in production um, at this point. Obviously, COVID had different plans for us on that one, um, but it is what it is. Blyvor is the one that start is is, is our latest, per, I would say, contributor to cash flow. Um, that's a large mine in South Africa. Um, it produced for over fifty years. It's been reopened. Um, you know, with all the different restrictions around COVID, uh, the ramp up has been a bit slower than expected. Uh, but our team's actually been on site twice in the last quarter, um, and things are really moving uh, in the right direction. So, from a you know from from reaching um, from from the start and reaching would say normal run rate, we're in a, we're in a good position, uh, and we expect they reach that run rate of, of at least fifty thousand ounces per year this year. Um, so that's going to become a major contributor because that's a 10% stream. So that's going to be, you know, at least five to 10,000 ounces going forward um, in, in the next few years. And then when you really look long-term, you're looking at even probably double that. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we added. Yeah. Go ahead. No, it's going to say. So it's just. So it's. I, I think we left Woodlawn quite quickly. Is that yeah. you? You said it is what it is. What? Why? Why did you come off that so quickly? Do you, you don't know currently what to expect from that. Oh, yeah. No. No. Sorry. So I, I was focused on the production stuff, but yeah. So we spent time on on Woodlawn. So Woodlawn. Um, we've been. So that one's been on current maintenance since. April, I want to say 2020, um, as we were basically listing. Um, so we did get some type of deliveries. So the, the mill was fully built. Um, you know, they had an actual, you know, real team running it. Unfortunately, with the restrictions uh, of interprovincial traveling in Australia, um, they couldn't get their crews um, to the mine. So they, they put it on care and maintenance. Then fast forward a year to last summer, we were getting really close to reopening uh, and restructuring a new deal for that operation. And then they, and Australia got hit very hard by COVID restrictions and the market, you know, the Australian markets kind of went away. So, um, so that company that was operating it, Heron, um, ended up going in, in, in CCAA or the equivalent in, um, in Australia. Um, and since then, ourselves and the other senior creditors have been running a process to find a new operator. Um, we are very, very close at um, at announcing that new operator. Um, we've said publicly that we expect news to be coming out, um, you know, in Q1, and we expect probably in the next couple of weeks um, to have that news out. So, quite excited to finally see that one come back to the forefront. We'll say because uh, it's been on the back burner, um, but with the quality of the operator that's coming in, um, we have full faith to, to see some value coming out of that. Um, that stream uh, in, in the years to come. So it's been a long story that one, but uh, but you know we're we're that will possibly be our ninth or tenth producing asset um, in in the years to come. Okay, so I just, just want to break this down for, for, for people. So in terms of number of producing assets and what revenue that's generating now, how many are how many then in the development phase, which will be generating revenue in the next couple of years. Um, and then I'd like to understand, you know, how many of the uh, uh, other uh, assets have got 43101 or JORC compliant uh, uh, reserve or resource estimates on them. So if we can start with the, the producers, how many, how many producers in total producing how much? So we've got eight. Eight producers. So we've got eight, right? eight of the 22 are in production. Then we've got- Generating three. how much revenue? Oh, so at the moment, around $30 million a year. Right. And uh, have you given guidance as to what they'll deliver this year? Is that, is that ramping up? From That'll be coming out uh, in a couple of weeks. Got but, it. But uh, it'll be very similar, probably a bit more. Okay. Similar, so a bit more. On the development stuff, the new stuff, because this is what we talked about last time, you need to do bigger deals. You've gone and done bigger deals. Um, I think one of, I mean, how, how long did they, were you aware of any of those at the beginning of the year or is a case of, like, I hope something shows up? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> last time when we spoke, uh, we said we were close on, on, on doing a stream. Um, to give you a sense, Plat Reef took about 12 months wow. to, to, to structure and, and get to the finish line. So at that point, we were in discussions. Um, we didn't think we were 10 months away um, from announcing it, but that's the price you have to pay to deal with a top tier operator like Ivano. And truthfully, I would do it every year and you know every day of the week. Because when you look at Plat Reef and what it brings to us, Plat Reef is a you know, 50 year mine for sure, just on reserves at the moment is 30 years. So when you invest in those types of assets, then you've got, you know, it is people talk about generational asset. Plat Reef is a generational asset. And most importantly, we don't have to wait another 10, 15 years to see that one in production. 
you know, they already have a thousand meter shaft. Um, you know, the second shaft is currently getting built. There's with the money that you just raised with us, they're actually building the plant. Um, so that one's coming in production in 2024. And when you look at what is Platte Reef, Platte Reef is the best undeveloped PGM project in the world. It's going to be the lowest cost producer in the world once it's in production. So that's the type of asset that you want to invest when you build a, a royalty and streaming company. And that's where we as a team, when we got that opportunity to look at that asset, we we put everything to the side and said, this is what we have to focus on. Okay. That is truly a company builder. Okay. So and so on the development stuff, i.e. revenue generating for you in the next two years, um, how is that also something you're gonna give guidance on over the next couple of in the next couple yeah. of weeks. So, um, so if you look at our, at our presentation, I think it's slide seven yeah. for the investors. Yeah. Um, there's a, at the moment, there's a schematic, um, chart that shows our current produce production being, um, you know, the deliveries of the original nomad portfolio, which we call, um, between 17 and 25,000 ounces. Um, you know, and that's why that range is because some of those assets are organically growing. So 17 to 25,000. And then when you look at the new assets that we, we, we added, it goes up to 50,000 plus ounces a year. And that's within the next two to three years. Um, so just with Caceronis, that's around 5,000 GEOs per year. Then you add Robertson, that's probably another 5,000 GEOs per year. And that's starting in 2024. And then Greenstone by 2024 is going to be 10,000 GEOs. So all those three are already 20,000 geos. And then you, you start looking at Platte Reef. Platte Reef is going to start out at about 3,000 geos. But when that second phase starts, you're actually looking at 12,500 geos per year. So if you look at the combined growth coming from those four assets, that's over 30,000 geos. Just, so that's almost double what, we're, what, we, what we got last year, just those four assets. And that's just with what we have in our portfolio. We have the we have the credit facility, so we're paying those deposits, and we you know we we're fully financed for those assets. Um, so from that point of view, there's no other royalty company or streaming company of our sides, and even I would say some of our larger peers that has that type of quality growth. You know, and that comes back to what I said earlier: is we as a team wanted to build a business that was easy to understand. You just had to talk about four assets with top tier operators and, and builders. Those are easy. We don't have to say we have 300 royalties and three quarters of those will never be mined or even explored. It's those assets are not worth anything. You need assets that get cash invested um, and you see resource growth or uh, companies advance them, go through the different feasibility studies, the permitting, you need those types of assets. But on top of it, where we're, we're looking to invest is after all those different risks. So that's why we've been investing in construction type financings in terms of Greenstone and Platte Reef, because that's 18, 24 months away from real cash flow. And that's how you de-risk a business. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think the interesting thing there is in terms of what if, if you even look at Platte Reef, um, it's not just multi-decade, I guess it's, it's multi-cycle. PGM has mm -hmm. You know, an erratic past, um, and to 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 be able to kind of kind of work your way through that. But there's going to be, I'm sure there's going to be ups and downs and downs, and it's not going to be as flat line as this diagram suggests. But um, 
Are you can, can continue just looking for big, or will you be kind of also because if you go and um, bid for portfolios, you're going to pick up some smaller stuff and maybe some stuff you don't necessarily want, but maybe some of these 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 medium sized projects are also what you need. Um, otherwise, in terms of your growth profile, yeah. the cash is coming in, but it's very flat for long periods of time, and the market looks for you know growth. At, at, at all times, and these bigger deals are going to get harder and harder to. Well, it's um, do, flat. It's flat for the next. It's flat for the next couple of years. Yeah, but then in 2024, you know, you're looking at 100 plus million dollars <clears> a year <throat> that's coming in. So that's and that's true growth, as we just pointed out, because these are big operators actually building these mines today. We don't have to wait for those mine builds. And is that is so, that good enough? Is that good enough for the institutional guys? Because yeah, I think when we when you first kicked off, you're at six percent entities, um, moved to twelve, and you're now at twenty five percent institutional yes. on, on on your register, which, which is great news. And and for, for them, flat, stable, dividend paying, all good stuff. Um, but e- even they, for long periods of time, are going to be looking at you. Because if I look at this chart from twenty four to 29.30, it's it's fairly flat, right? So, so my, point, my point is, how does, and you've got ambitions to be a billion dollar plus company and all of those things we talked about last time, yeah. but you've also got to keep this kind of growth component to the story at all times. So how do you, as a business, you know, build that, put things in place to ensure that you can, there is still a growth component to your story? Oh, I mean, growth is, is definitely important, but not at any price. And, you know, last year we had the opportunity of, I would say in general on the equities front was a pretty tough market. So we had the opportunity of dealing with, you know, producers and, and developers to do these types of deals. Last year was the, was the time for royalty companies to do streaming deals on project financing because those operators didn't have necessarily the same type of open market to raise the equity they wanted to do. So we had the opportunity of doing those deals and we ended up doing $225 million of transactions. And when you look at our market today, market cap today, it's around $400 million US. So we transacted on more than, you know, half our, our market cap, which is nuts when you think about it. When you look, if you compared that to some of our larger peers, like the two seniors, that would mean that they would have to do over $10 billion of deals last year each. So from a growth point of view, we definitely focused on that. Now it's more about sitting down with the institution and showing the path and that's what allowed us to do the financing that we just did because some of those institutions were always kind of reluctant at looking at our company but when they saw the quality in terms of Platte reef greenstone casserones that's what really shifted um you know their point of view of nomad and that's what allowed us to have them come into our our our, our, our company as in, in the shareholder registry and i think that's just a a, a, a moment in time. I, I think that really marked the first real financing for Nomad. And let's all remember that we have yet to 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 do a real conference, physical conference with these institutional. And finally, at the end of this month, we're going down to Florida to to uh, to sit down <laughs> sit down with the, with the community. Yeah. So so for us, that's going to be you know two years ago. That's where we announced the formation of Nomad. And we have done nothing since we've been 100% virtual. So to finally sit down with those with those investors and those institutionals um, is going to be a big plus for us. And on top of it, you know, fr- from where we sit at the moment, our value is definitely not where we want it. You know, we're trading between 0. 0.7, 0. 0.9 times NAV on any given day. All our peers are are, are between 1.3 and the larger ones 2.5 times NAV. But I guarantee you that. 
there are others that are looking at us and saying, you know, if that value doesn't make sense, those bigger guys need to keep, keep, keep moving and keep building. And we always said that we would put our shareholders first and that will always be the case. We are very large shareholders, all management are very, very large shareholders of the business. Um, and we will do whatever is best for our shareholders. And, and if we always said also that we wanted to create the next world gold. So we know scale has its benefits. We know liquidity has its benefit, and we've been working on that, on increasing the liquidity. Last year was not the greatest year in terms of liquidity for Nomad, but already this year, we're over that $1 million trash mark um, on an average day. So from an indice point of view, I think we're doing a lot of work to get into those indices. Um, and that new financing is definitely going to help. But you know, we will do whatever is best for our shareholders, and, and that means building the business into a larger entity and bringing even larger institutionals because the royalty and streaming business is a capacity business. If you have that financing capacity, you're able to keep growing. And that's what we showed last year. We had our credit facility, we had some cash on hand and we were able to deploy in great deals. Um, and we did that also with the help of our largest shareholder with Orion. And that's something that needs to be talked about because we have a you know a unique angle in this business where we are there's no formal contract between Orion and Nomad however you know Orion is the largest private equity group in the business in mining and they see more deals than any other investor or any other royalty and streaming company so where we're able to work hand in hand you end up announcing deals like Plat Reef where we we were co-investing with them um, we end up doing greenstones where they were actually selling a stream on it. So that's where, when we talk about competition, we don't have to rely on bank processes or having to, you know, go through specific different say, um, processes. We have our unique corporate development, I would say, ideas. We have the Orion stuff that sometimes comes in, we don't have to take everything. That's the important thing also for investors to, to understand. Orion's done other deals last year with other streamers and or, or royalty companies. Um, so we, as Nomad, we're able to really focus on the deals, what we want to do and deliver that value for the shareholders in, in the long term. And a lot of people expect re-rates to happen the next day. We're building a business for the long term. We strongly believe that we're doing the right moves and the right steps. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it, it, we're, again, I'm very confident about the future. Um, and there's a lot of great things coming. Okay. You won't do, you won't spend money at all costs. It's going to, it's going to take time. Um, I think you've done some good deals I and mean, you've got some unique, uh, aspects to the company, obviously the relationship with, uh, Orion and others in terms of genuinely not non-competitive, uh, situations, all, all good, but there must be a large chunk of your shareholder base thinking, well, you may not want to do things at all costs, but there's definitely a player in the market who who is, and maybe your shareholders could be the beneficiary of some of the, some of the multiples being achieved by them. They're better than you at promotion, it, it seems. Uh, don't have the revenue, so you're very, very attractive um, to them. That could get them out of a hole. Um, is, is that something that you would, um, 
try to defend or is it something that you would try to encourage? Because um, you're, you're laying out a plan like most royalty and streaming CEOs that come on here and go, we're doing things the right way. It's about the per share metric, earnings per share metric. Um, you know, we, we are yet to sort of see the value uh, being a credit to us, to us that we are building here. There's an easy, quick win. Surely, surely that's got to be attractive to you. Well, I think the world we live in, a lot of people want that easy, quick win. Um, that's not our style. And, you know, I think we have to, pe people have to realize also that there are other royalty companies and other streaming companies in, in this sector. Uh, but none of them have been around for only 18 months, the credible companies I'm talking about. Um, and what we've done at our size has not been easy. And I don't think a lot of a lot of groups would have been able to do what we've done in, in, in with what we started in the context in which we did it. You know, we, we also listed on the NYC. We did like, there's a lot of things that we did on the corporate front. So just to give that away, to have that quick win and who knows if that value actually stays at that level, because that's one thing is you see a lot of these levels go, you know, the, these share prices go up very quickly and have that sustained level and then come back pretty, pretty quickly as well. Um, what we want to do and, you know, we, we did a deal with Orion and Yamana to start this company. We have to deliver a win to them as well. So there's, you know, they they need to to, to make sure we need to make sure that they have the value um, they were hoping for. We have investors that just came in. Those investors are very important as well, and they don't have necessarily that three month window to see that re rating. What we sold them on is look at our portfolio and look at the next couple of years. So that's really our focus. Um, but as I said, as I said before, we are in a world where industry inclusion is very important. Where when you look at the market, um, you know, a five hundred million dollar market cap company is is a micro cap. So you need that two, three, even from a U.S. market now, it's five billion is considered small cap. So you need that scale to really get that, that those new investors to come in. But if we go back to what we said earlier. The way Nomad's getting built at the moment is when the market shifts and when we do have, you know, a rush to the gold equities, um, we want an, an easy story to, 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 to explain. And that's going through cash flow, growth, dividend growth. I mean, we've already paid six dividends. Um, we, we pay the highest yield in the market at 2.5%. So, and that's a sustainable di dividend. So from that point of, point of view, we want to make sure that we show that track record so that when the big generalist investor comes in, he says, you know what, that's a real company. I want to invest in that company. It's undervalued. And there is a potential that that re-rating actually happens.